have to say because everybody, you know, we all have a stake in this game. We all have a stake. I want to I want to give a humongous thank you to another another uh, 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 sustainer in Willard. Willard, thank you so kindly for sustaining as well. Um, I'm going to go to Augie in a minute, but I'm going to pass it back to somebody that Johnny just gave some kudos to on pitching. Right back to Sandy. Come on in, Sandy. Thank you. I, I guess I could say Petro Metro. Yeah, we owe a big thanks to Dwayne and really all the other people that have led us to this point this morning. Think about it. We'll be 54 years old on Friday, Egberto. 54 years of yeah. commercial free radio. 54 years of people doing what we're doing this morning gathering the funds necessary to make it to the next milestone. That would be May. That's what we're doing here. Okay. And if it weren't for all the people, Dwayne included, you know, Larry Winters was the IGM for a little while. We can go back and talk about Garland Ganter, Gene Palmquist, Ray Hill. So many people in our history have gotten us to this point and have allowed free speech radio to continue Truly, truly the act of passing it forward. Folks, we're asking you today to help pass it forward to the next generation. Willard, thank you so much. And Liz, thank you so much. Both joined as sustainers. So both of those pledges will be matched with a $50 bill. Now, folks, it's your turn. If you've never given and you're listening to the sounds of our voices, you listen to this station. And what, what we see in the data is that when we obtain listeners, Egberto, they stick around. They don't go anywhere. They keep the damn thing on all day, okay? I mean, their kids are yelling at them, hey, mom, hey, dad, turn that down. It's all reversed. <laughs> hey, folks, we're here because of the unbroken chain. We're here because of the generosity of thousands and thousands and thousands of Eustonians and well beyond. Actually, at this point, all over the world, uh, we've gotten pledges so far from Harrison, New Jersey, Tomball, Houston. And the last one that came in was from Gardenia, California. So that was Willard. Thanks for listening out on the West Coast. Thanks for listening up in New Jersey. Thanks for listening all around Houston. Thanks for your support. Come on, it's a thankathon. Let us thank you. 713-526-5738, option one or kpft.org, those pledges get us so tantalizingly close to the goal. But in the last three days, we don't talk goal. We talk the ultimate goal, which is $150,000. If I have everything computed right, we've crossed 127 on our way to 128. Come on, we can do this. We don't have that much further to go in this marathon for those of you that run or even cycle or do anything where it's a swim you know you're swimming you're bicycling you're running for 45 minutes an hour two hours whatever it is that the the length it takes to accomplish the race or the track you're doing that and when you look up and you know you only got those last three miles that's it you get inspired we're and, and you get the strength to make it to the finish line. And that's what we're doing here in these last, what amounts to uh, 60 hours of the drive, Egberto. Yeah, if you know, and look, thank you, Sandy. 713-526-5738, extension number one. And don't forget, folks, nobody picked up today on the uh, have 
uh, coffee with Egberto. Remember, I'll drive any part of Harris County or the surrounding areas, the Houston metropolitan area, and have coffee. And I guarantee you, we have a good time, good chat, that stuff. I have two of them that I get. I'm doing one this week. I'm going out with somebody who did one this week. And the week after, I'm going out with somebody else again. Uh, I don't know them, but we're going to have some fun. We are going to drink some coffee and have some fun. This is KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Thank you, Howard. I forgot the ID, but oh, we're, well, we're yeah, there. Okay. We're there. We're there. We're there at the top of the hour. And I tell you what, um, seven. Uh, I tell you, while I'm speaking to Augie, it would be great if somebody call in for either $5 sustainer, $10 sustainer, $20 sustainer, or... Coffee with Egberto, $250, or the T-shirt at $100. Hey, we can do this, guys. We can do it. Let's go to Augie, another great supporter of Politics Done Right and a great supporter of KPFT as a whole. Good morning, Augie. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing okay. About the guy that says about printing money, countries have done that before, but people forget history. Germany did it in the 1930s. And, it, and that made their money worthless. It took a wheelbarrow full of money to buy a loaf of bread. And that's what happened yes. when you start printing money. That happened in South America and a couple of countries. They started printing money and made their money worthless. But Argentina. Come, uh, yeah, how come you're not worried about people who are not paying taxes? The billionaires. If the billionaires were paying taxes, then that would take a burden off of us. If you're so worried about paying taxes yourself... Uh, worry about the ones who aren't, and the ones who aren't are the ones that have all this money, um, and, uh, and it's all these Republicans. And at one time, uh, the government used to fund KPFT and public radio and public TV at one time, and they took it away. It'd be great if we had that uh, federal money again to help KPFT and PBS and everybody else and the little community stations around the country. I went on a climate change march in New, uh, New York City one time, and caught the train on the West Coast. And on the West Coast, there was a bunch of folks that were there. And there was a guy with the community station in Washington State. And they were having trouble, just like KPFT, raising money. But it was just a single station out in the country. And uh, they also got federal funding, too, at one time. But then the Republicans cut that off. And uh, that's how the Republicans are. And they were talking about Joe McCarthy uh, attacking the communists. Well, why did he attack the communists? Well, it was because the Democratic Party is a party of inclusion. It includes everybody who wants to be part of it, the communists, the socialists, the union members, everybody. Republicans are not inclusive. They're exclusive. They're, it's the rich guys that are in it. They don't allow the socialists, the union members, the guys here into their party. And at one time, Texas and the whole South used to be Democratic for 100 years. Why did it turn Republican? And because in the 60s, JFK and LBJ decided to desegregate the South. Well, well really, the country. And uh, we had those conservatives in the Democratic Party, too, along with the socialists and the communists and the union members. And the, and the conservatives were called Blue Dog Democrats. The Blue Dog Democrats left the party when uh, the Democrats started to desegregate the country. And then they were called Dixiecrats, and then they became Republicans. And Texas became Republican, and so did the whole South. And those Dixiecrats, the Blue Dog Democrats, took over the Republican Party 
and uh, and uh, that that was a good name for them, the, the blue dogs, because that's all they are. There's a bunch of barking dogs, and people listen to them, <laughs> and they don't have much. All right, Augie. I thank you for the history lesson, my dear brother Augie. We have to get a little bit more pitch in before uh, we close because we have to raise that cash. But thank you very much for that, Augie. Augie, folks, a great supporter. Why don't you be like Augie and say, I am going to support KPFT as well. Hey, thank you, Augie. Yeah, I really appreciate work. you, sir. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right, let me throw it to the studio. Hey, Egberto, the other day, one of your callers called in, and it, it was such a good call. She made such a good point. I just want to play this for you, okay? Okay. I just want to say, I'm yes, calling sir. to encourage everybody to give, because I'm going to give a little bit of what I can and encourage everybody else to do that. And I also want to say, because I, uh, I appreciate all of you there at the station, because you give us a platform to respectfully disagree and like any nonprofit, it's un- it's that's a part of capitalism you know we depend on everybody to give their little dollars or the big dollars which will be great um and so i'm just calling calling everybody to do that and so thank you too for the economics that you teach us that's put in a very understandable way and everything that you all do so i'll give my dollars and i just want to encourage everybody else to do the same thing that was lynette lynette has two well she has children that she's got to get up in the morning get them off to school then go to work but has the time to call in for us and has the time to advocate for us. So I just thought you might want to know about that. I kept that call because it's just so touching and it says everything that needs to be said. I melted when I heard that from Lynette. I just, you know, I mean, uh, I don't think people understand how much it means when the audience out there chime in, chimes in, when that audience chimes in, uh, and not only that, but let you know, you know, I, let me tell you something, Howard. Uh, you know, that donation came in at a, uh, there's a donation that came in at 1253 on an sh- uh, earlier show, midnight show. And, you know, I, I was sitting down there and I'm like, damn, I was up working on this program then, right? And, you know, I was up until 1.30 this morning uh, working on this program, got three and a half hours sleep. I'm tired. But you would not imagine when I hear Johnny and Augie and Brad and everybody else, I am energized. And I mean that from the depths of my heart. Don't um, forget Brian. You know, it, it is, it is, go ahead. I say, don't forget Brian. Brian's one of our regular Brian. callers. He's, I love Brian. He claims himself as to be the voice of opposition, and he is. But he also donates to this radio station just to keep that flow going. That is truly, truly amazing and shows a lot of love. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, uh, look, the thing about it is this, right? There is nothing wrong with opposition. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing. If I didn't speak to all the people I disagreed with, I would have nobody to speak to. I enjoy, I mean, and, and anybody who knows me and knows from the, from the coffee party days or the, all these other uh, move to amend days, these different uh, organizations that we served in know that it's, you know, we've been taught to think disagreement is an issue or a problem. Disagreement is just a part of life. And we come and we, we, uh, you know, Brian, look, I can say Brian calls in here sometimes and says something. And all I can say to Brian is, oops, you're right. You know? And we have to get back there. And that's what that's a part of what this show is about. So folks, please donate. Please contribute right now. 
713-526-5738. Listen to Lynette. Lynette touched my heart when she called. I think it was yesterday. 713-526-5738. Extension number one. Look, five bucks a month. Five bucks a month. You don't miss it. It's a coffee a month. But it means everything to us. Ten bucks a month. You don't miss it. It means everything to us. You know, think about how much of that you throw away. Think about how much you give to the folks that are not nourishing your mind or don't have respect for your mind. Over here, I can tell you, in my show, I respect every single caller, every single person. I also realize where our inputs and outputs come from. And understanding that, we can communicate. 713. 526-5738, extension number one. Please call, become a member. Have you ever contributed? If you've never, but you like the show, please make it be today. Uh, You've contributed before, but you haven't done it in a long time. Please make it be today. You're always contributing. Well, you know, continue. 713-526-5738, extension number one. And I'm going to pass it to somebody who pitches a lot better than I do. Senor Sandy. Well, I thank you, Egberto. I, I take pride in uh, controlling that curveball <laughs> while I'm pitching. <laughs> I mean, hey, folks, we're running out of time here. We have about seven minutes left. We are at this point a scant forty bucks shy of the goal that we set, the four hundred dollar goal. Your pledge could make that disappear. That gap disappear. In fact, if everybody just jumps in and does 40 bucks that's listening, this drive is over. That's the power that we have as a community. When we all get together and do our part, whatever that is, you decide. I mean, Willard did a nice sustainer as Liz did. And uh, Mario in New Jersey, um, Marlo would call that a pity pledge, I think. You know, but nonetheless... (laughs) Those small pledges add up at the end of the drive, and when the goal is made, that's an essential contribution. It doesn't matter. When you do your part, we all get there together. 713-526-5738, option one. A cup of coffee is five bucks at Starbucks. That's right. A medium black coffee, an Americana Grande. Yeah, there we go. Um, That, when you get done and you want to tip the barista, they hand you back a dollar and three cents or 85 cents. You throw it in the tip jar and your $5 bill is consumed. One coffee, one coffee a month. You'll keep us awake a little bit more. It'll keep us primed and ready to go so that when we hit the airwaves, we know we're there. One cup of coffee, five bucks a month. Of course, Lola Savannah supplies our coffee at the studio and you can drink like a DJ. You can get that coffee and a coffee mug for a $120 pledge. That's a Caroline coffee combo. When you pledge, ask for that. And if you do $20 more or month on a sustainer, and I think Willard qualifies for that, Willard is going to receive the coffee combo regardless and whatever other gift that Willard wanted to take. And in this case, Willard took nada. He said, KPFT, you keep it. Well, as a thank you, I hope you don't mind, Willard. You're going to get some coffee in a coffee cup. Liz, she took a, a T-shirt, a 419 Love It T-shirt. This is a line drawing that was put together by Lars Hendrington 
formerly of Tennyson's Tape Deck. Lars has moved away and had to drop his program as a result, but he made a beautiful line drawing of our old studio, 419 Love It, which is no longer there. You can get that T-shirt as a commemorance for your gift of $100. You, there's one of the Caroline studio, same thing, $100. If you want them both, say you got two job interviews back-to-back -back and you're going to need a clean KPFT T-shirt for each interview, well, you can get them both for $180. You look good in that interview and you'll likely get the job as you're dressing for success. 713-526-5738, option one, or kpft.org. It's really a very serious moment for KPFT in collecting these funds to continue paying all of its bills. I want to send a big thanks out to those 700 and 84 people that have made this total possible right now. You've done your part. Now it's your turn. 713-526-5738 or kpft.org. Egberto, we get about three, four minutes, and then we're going to head to democracy now. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for what you do. Absolutely, Egberto. folks. Thank you. 713-526-5738. It is important to hear from you. We're at the... We're, we only have about four more, three more minutes to go. I think that's what I just got. So, folks, give us a call at 713-526-5738, extension number one to donate. Again, $5 a month, coffee, two, $10 a month, two coffees. Get our T-shirt at a, a $100 or a coffee with Egberto, $250. I know there are more people out there. I think we've done either two or three so far this uh, this cycle. I know there are more out there, and I'm willing to drive out there, guys, and sit down and, and talk. And I tell you what, even though I, I won't say any names or anything like that, anybody who goes out to uh, breakfast with me, I, I'll throw in a, a copy of my latest uh, uh, book, and I won't name any name. I don't want my GM coming and say, hey, there's no, you can't be doing that on here. But I'm just telling you, I'll... I'll go ahead and, and and bring out one for you as well. 713-526-5738, extension number one. Okay, I'm going to throw it back to Sandy to close out, and then I'll close it out when he's done. Sandy, Howard, Thank and Jack. Yeah. Thank you, Howard. Appreciate it. And I sure appreciate Jack and Howard being present and manning the board every morning. Man, it's a team, and we couldn't do it without everybody. So thanks. And we can't do it without you either. Make that pledge. 713-526-5738. Howard, Jack? Well, I, I'm going to tell you, I could not do this show without Jack. Jack, is uh, he's the man. So what you got for us, Jack? Well, uh, I get up in the morning at 4, and I leave about 4.30, and I drive about 35 miles into the studio, and I get here a little after 5, where I take care of some things and start some programs. So donate and make make my effort worthwhile for me. Donate and make my effort worthwhile to KPFT 90.1. Thank you, Jack. Folks, you just heard Jack, an unpaid volunteer that comes in here five days a week. He starts at Politics Done Right and he finishes with you talk and a couple others. I mean, that is dedication. That is volunteerism. That is putting his, his soul where he is. Sandy comes in here. Well, Sandy comes in. I don't know. Sandy's here all the damn time, you know, doing back and forth, back and forth, volunteering. We have Howard. 
Howard Howard technical capabilities would be is valued all over, but he decided to give it to us here at KPFT. Uh, that is the kind of people we're talking about. So we ask you to call 713-526-5738. A lot of our news uh, stuff that we didn't cover is in the newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. Thank you all. Love you all. Callers, everyone else. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out! And we now join Democracy Now! in progress on KPFT Houston. He doesn't understand it. Of course, he, God bless, you don't have the war on your territory. The debate over U.S. funding for Ukraine comes as more details emerge about how the CIA has played a critical role assisting Ukraine on the battlefield. The New York Times has revealed the CIA helped build a network of 12 secret spy bases along the Russian border over the past eight years. The Times reports the CIA has also trained elite Ukrainian commando forces and a new generation of Ukrainian spies. Just last week, CIA Director William Burns made a secret trip to Ukraine as 10th visit since Russia's invasion two years ago. To talk more about the war in Ukraine and U.S. funding, we're joined by two guests, Medea Benjamin, co-founder of Code Pink, co-author of the book War in Ukraine, Making Sense of a Senseless Conflict. Her new piece for The Progressive is headlined after two years of war in Ukraine. It's time for peace. She's joining us from Miami. And in Cleveland, Ohio, we're joined by Stephen Crowley. He's a professor of politics at Oberlin College, where he's the chair of Russian, East European, and Eurasian studies. His latest book is titled Putin's Labor Dilemma, Russian Politics Between Stability and Stagnation. His latest piece for the responsible statecraft is headlined, Pass Ukraine Aid, But Make It Conditional on Ending the War. Professor Crowley, let's begin with you. Explain what you are proposing. Hi, Amy. Good to hear from you. Uh, good to be part of this. So, yeah, I think the one reason to fund uh, Ukraine is to bring the war to an end. To my mind, that's the only reason. This war has gone on for two years. Uh, even though we're in the 21st century, we have drones and satellites and precision missiles. It's essentially descended into trench warfare that looks very much like World War I. Uh, many people continue to die on both sides, and yet the lines barely move at all. And yet we hear pundits and political leaders talking about the possibility of a long war. Uh, 2014 might be bad for Ukraine, but 2015 might somehow miraculously be better. Uh, this, to my mind, just seems like magical thinking. I think the, the, the only reason to fund uh, Ukraine right now is to get both sides to the negotiating table to end this war. And uh, Medea Benjamin, what about this issue of providing more weapons to end the war? Well, with all due respect to Stephen, I just don't understand it at all. I mean, you give more money precisely for the war to keep going. And let's remember the package that is being proposed now in the House. As you said in the introduction, it's not just $60 billion for Ukraine. It's also $14 billion for Israel as part of that. It also says no money can be going to the relief agency UNRWA. And it also has billions of dollars for Taiwan and the Indo-Pacific to antagonize China. This package should be fiercely opposed by progressives 
all over the country because it will only continue the war in Ukraine as well as continue other wars on other continents. This is exactly what the world doesn't need, what the American public doesn't need. It's a terrible bill and must be opposed. And Professor Crowley, I wanted to ask you um, about this New York Times piece that came out on Sunday about the CIA's uh, long involvement uh, in training uh, elite troops that were some of them were conducting sabotage and assassinations uh, in uh, during the period not after the Russian invasion, but before the Russian invasion during the war in Donbass. Uh, and so it's clear that the CIA was involved back to about 2014 and 2015 on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Uh, does, does that uh, reshape the way we we look at? Because uh, surely uh, Putin must have known that uh, he must have known about the CIA involvement on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Uh, does that give a, a shed new light on the, the the reasons why Putin decided to invade? I think it, I think it might run. Uh, if you look closely at that New York Times article, they sort of briefly brush past the uh, a couple of sentences where they said that Russia was aware of this and saw this as as rather provocative. That perhaps the uh, the United States was intending to perhaps. Uh, Act aggressively, or, or even you know, <laughs> invade Russia, and uh, they just sort of. And he said, of course, that's not true. So um, we don't really need to consider that any further. But uh, we 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 have grievously failed to consider the other side, to, to to look at things from the Russian perspective. And it's it's very easy to demonize Putin. He does a very good job of making that quite possible. Uh, his his policies are really quite vile. But we have made a mistake in understanding the provocative nature going back to NATO expansion, as your readers and listeners will be well aware of. Uh, and this happened for years. This, this uh, predated Putin being in, in power. And unfortunately, this, is, this, this sort of mentality is continuing. And if we don't recognize the dangers, the, the provocations uh, that led to this conflict, this war, even though this was Putin's decision to invade, but nevertheless, there is another side to this. If we don't learn that lesson, we're going to slow walk into another war, I'm afraid, between the United States and China over Taiwan because we're still thinking in terms of deterrence. We have to be strong, we have to deter the other side, and we neglect the fact that this can be, create insecurity on the other side that just leads to build-up, escalation, and eventually to violence and war. Professor Stephen Crowley, your piece um, is headlined, Pass Ukraine Aid, but Make It Conditional on Ending the War. And I wanted to ask both you and Medea Benjamin this part of it. How do you make it conditional on that? What would negotiations look like? What would bring both sides to the table? And do you think there are secret talks going on right now? I do not know whether there are talks going on right now, but uh, there absolutely should be. Uh, and I'm afraid there's been lots of hints that, well, there's been speculation. People have said, well, Putin doesn't want to negotiate, or they said he says he wants to negotiate, but he really is just doing this to uh, deter the West from supplying, giving any support to Ukraine. And my answer to that is, well, test that. Uh, let's call it, let's say we're ready to negotiate. 
we, yes, including, we can't simply leave this to the Ukrainians. It's understandable that their country wasn't invaded. They want to do everything they can to repel the invader, but it's on us, the people that are sending rockets and, and military material there to remind the Ukrainians, look, this isn't going to get any better for you. It, it could only get worse. And now is the time to negotiate. And if Putin isn't willing to negotiate, then call him on that and just say, yes, this is, this is on him now. But I think there are many signs of war fatigue in Russia as well as Ukraine. They're more hidden behind the repressive atmosphere and the propaganda and so forth. But Russia itself is also tiring of war. And Medea Benjamin, if you could respond to that, what would a negotiation look like and what would bring both sides to the table? Well, it's tragic because we know exactly what a negotiation would look like because it was happening four days after the Russian invasion. There had been a series of talks going on for the entire month, and they came up with a 15-point plan, which was, in essence, that Russia uh, would—that uh, Ukraine would not join NATO, that Ukraine would be a neutral country in exchange for guarantees uh, by other countries. Uh, the Ukrainians had even agreed at that time to put the issue of Crimea off well into the future. They talked about a 15-year consultation on the status of Crimea. The essence of what peace talks would be are already very clear. And let's also be clear that it is the U.S. and the U.K that sabotaged those early peace talks. They said to Ukraine that Putin is a war criminal, should not be negotiated with, and if you come up with a deal, we will not back it. Uh, they, we have also seen in these two years all these attempts by countries around the world, whether it is China or Mexico or Brazil or the six African nations uh, that have come forward with peace plans that the U.S. has just dismissed. So we have to recognize that the U.S., as the Secretary of Defense had said, um, wants to use this as an opportunity to weaken Russia. And so pouring more money into this conflict is just going to mean more Ukrainians going to be killed, more conscripted Russian soldiers going to be killed. We have to seize this moment right now, not give more money, and say, this is the time to go to the negotiating table. In fact, Ukraine is in a worse position now than it was a year ago when, a secret, uh, when the chief of staff of the U.S., uh, Milley, said, seize the moment, and the U.S. did not do it. And imagine if Donald Trump is the next president. This will be even worse for Ukraine. So now is the time to seize the moment and go to negotiations, stop fueling a war that is not winnable on the battlefield. Uh, Mattia, I wanted to ask you, what would you respond to those who say that uh, allowing uh, Russia and Putin to uh, maintain control of uh, portions of uh, Ukrainian territory will only embolden him to, uh, to pursue more aggression uh, throughout Europe? Well, if indeed Putin's aim was to take over Ukraine, he hasn't been able to do that. Uh, in that sense, Russia has already lost. Uh, and uh, he is not going to be able to go any further than maintaining the hold of the territories uh, in the Donbass that, that he controls now. And Crimea is recognized uh, as a 
territory that had been part of Russia for about 200 years, where the majority of people are ethnic Russians and Russian-speaking. Um, so I think if Ukraine did not become part of NATO, uh, made it clear that it would uh, made, uh, it would be a neutral country, this could be perceived by Putin as a win. Uh, and it could also be perceived uh, by the uh, by the Ukrainians uh, as a win that Putin was not able to take over any more of their country, uh, and that there would be some kind of fast track for Ukraine to be entering uh, the European Union. There are certainly things that can be negotiated that could be put towards to the people of Russia and Ukraine uh, as a way to get out of this, as Stephen said, war re weariness on both sides. While Zelensky is saying that he desperately needs more weapons, his general uh, secretary of defense has uh, said that half of the weapons promised by the West and allocated have not even been delivered. And what we know as perhaps the most difficult problem for Ukraine is one of manpower. They don't have the recruits. The most gung-ho nationalist uh, fighters have already been killed or maimed, and the new recruits are very hard for them to find. They say they need another 500,000 recruits. Well, they just fired all the recruiters recently because of corruption. People were paying $12,000 to be smuggled out of the country. They don't have the manpower, and let's recognize that Russia has over three times the population of Ukraine. This is not a good situation for Ukraine, and if we pour more money in, it will only give uh, the, the, uh, the impetus for Zelensky to keep trying to fight a war that is not winnable. Uh, Professor Crowley, I wanted to ask you about this whole issue of uh, increased uh, military aid in a situation where there's considerable evidence that uh, not only of corruption uh, within the Ukrainian government, but of massive uh, amounts of weapons that were already allocated have been delinquent or missing, uh, according to an Associated Press uh, report recently. Yeah, one, well, I'm not... Uh totally up to speed on that. But I would say the answer for Ukraine isn't really more weapons. Um, it is really to get both sides to the negotiating table. I think the, the package might give uh, Ukraine enough leverage to be able to sit down with Russia uh, that appears, at least at the moment, to have a stronger hand, but to bring an end to it. And, and the funding ultimately needs to go to reconstructing Ukraine. There's been some estimates of $1 trillion that it will cost to reconstruct Ukraine after this devastation. And on to your uh, earlier question, the earlier question to, to Medea, uh, Russia may look like it's coming out of this war as a victor if things end right now, but the long-term prospects for Russia are quite grim. Uh, its economy is overheating. It's isolated from the rest of the world outside of places like Iran and North Korea. China is not a, is not a, a true partner. Uh, Russia needs China more than China needs Russia. So the talk coming out of places like Europe that, well, if the war ends, then in five or ten years, Putin is somehow going to amass enough forces to attack Estonia, let alone Poland, it seems to me just ludicrous. Um, he may, even if he wanted to do that, I don't see how that is possible. 
And there's talk, unfortunately, in Europe about shifting resources from areas like climate change uh, to increasing more military weapons and more military production. And unfortunately, that's exactly what Putin would like to have, because the way he fuels his war is through the sale of oil and gas. And if the, the world, Europe in particular, can shift to a greater uh, climate change um, alleviation, uh, less dependence on oil and gas, then this would even weaken Russia's position even further. Um, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Sunday Ukraine needs more military aid. He was speaking to Martha Raddatz on ABC's This Week. This is not about a shortage of will, Martha. This is about a shortage of bullets. And if we can fill that shortage of bullets, Ukraine will stand up brave and courageous uh, and take the fight to the Russians. The United States will continue alongside our allies and partners to try to get Ukraine all of the tools and capabilities that it, it needs to be able to conduct this fight as rapidly and as efficiently as we possibly can. So, Medea Benjamin, if you can respond to this, and also the fact that um, the House Speaker Johnson has not put this on the floor of the House for a vote. It passed the Senate. Um, because it's believed it would pass overwhelmingly, interestingly enough, from the Republicans and the Democrats. Um, I'm wondering your thoughts on where political lines are these days. Well, the political lines are extremely uh, strange. Uh, the uh, there are no Democrats who are opposing more money to Ukraine. Uh, you right, might remember Amy way back last year in October when there were 30 progressive Democrats who said maybe it's time to consider negotiations, and they were so pilloried by their own party they had to withdraw that letter within 24 hours, and for the most part have been absolutely silenced ever since. I think this is tragic. This is leaving it to the extreme right of the Republican Party to take a position that is very popular with the American people. Very early on in this war, an AP poll so showed that the majority of Americans thought the U.S. should only play a minor role in the case of Ukraine. And it is not popular to be sending tens and tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine when President Trump—when uh, uh, candidate Trump says that he would end this war in a day by calling up his two friends Zelensky and Putin, and that uh, Biden is not capable of ending this war, that is something that is very popular, not among only Trump supporters, but the general public. Uh, the public does not want to keep funding this war. Schumer just came back from uh, Ukraine and said that it would take years to win this war. And that implies that the American public should keep spending uh, what has now been over $100 billion on this war. I don't think that's a very popular position, and I think it's very bad for Biden if he doesn't come out. And as Stephen said, he should try talking to Putin. You asked if there had been attempts or behind-the-scene talks. Well, we just saw from Reuters by a senior Moscow correspondent that, indeed, the Russians had reached out to the U.S. as late as January of this year, asking for talks. And Jake Sullivan and others responded that they could talk to Russia about other issues, but not about Ukraine. I say the Democrats better start talking to Russia 
they better start pushing Ukraine to the negotiating table because it is not a popular position. And, and Medea, we just uh, have uh, about less than a minute for this segment, but I'm wondering uh, the other war, uh, the Israeli war uh, on Gaza uh, and the position of progressives and Democrats in Congress on that, on funding, on additional funding for Israel. Your take on that? Yes, unfortunately, because of the way that this package has been uh, packaged, uh, they have thrown money in for Ukraine, which Democrats support, and they have put money in for humanitarian aid, although it can't go to UNRWA. And so there are Democrats, even Democrats that have called for a ceasefire, that we fear will vote for this package because they'll say, oh, well, we had to vote for it for the money for Ukraine. We saw that in the Senate. The very few senators, uh, there are only six of them, who have called for a ceasefire, four of them voted for the package because they said, oh, we have to vote for the money for Ukraine. That's an excuse for them. I think we have to go to all the members of Congress and say, not one penny for Israel, even if it's in a package that you like something else in there, no more money for Israel. Oppose the entire package. Medea Benjamin, co-founder of Code Pink, her recent piece for The Progressive, headlined after two years of war in Ukraine, it's time for peace. And Stephen Crowley, professor of politics at Oberlin College, speaking to us from Cleveland. His latest piece in Responsible Statecraft is headlined, Pass Ukraine Aid, but Make It Conditional on Ending the War. When we come back, we'll be joined by the legendary consumer advocate and four-time presidential candidate Ralph Nader. He turns 90 today. Stay with us. Good morning, KPFT listeners. This is Interim General Manager Sandy Wyman reminding you that we are still in our winter bankathon, our winter fund drive, trying to gather the funds needed to make it to May. This program, Democracy Now!, has a, has a goal of $400, and we're $400 away from the goal. So please be the first to donate to this essential program today, 713-526-5738, option one, or kpft.org. Amy's show has been on KPFT well since I've been there, and even before, going back to the uh, 90s. And we need to hear from you in support of Democracy Now! to continue its presence at 7 a.m. every morning, Monday to Friday, on KPFT. We need to hear from you to continue KPFT, providing the platform on which you hear Democracy Now!, Politics Done Right, and the other great programming that we have on KPFT, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. There is only one KPFT. We have a 100,000-watt transmitter and an aggregate of $52,000 a month of bills that we need to, to pay to keep things moving forward smoothly. And to get that money, well, we rely on listeners during Fun Drive and coming back in a big circle. That's where we are, our winter Fun Drive. So please donate what you can, do your part, $5 a month, $10 a month. You can get a Carolina a coffee combo, a one-pound bag of Colombian Supremo beans from Lola Savannah, and a Caroline Street coffee mug for a $120 donation, or $10 a month, if you would be so kind. Willard, Liz, Kathy, Mario, they all did their part this morning. Now we're waiting on you. Join your friends and neighbors in supporting community radio and propel us 
into 2024. We will be 54 years old on Friday. Celebrate that with a pledge. 713-526-5738. Please, folks, we're running out of time on this fund drive. We're running out of time on on uh, making sure that we have the funds needed to continue. 713-526-5738 or kpft.org. Let's get on back to Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Hopefully, I'll be thanking you when we come back in a little while. This is KPFT Houston, back to Democracy Now! Uh, the reverse of what I'm going to uh, point out uh, is an opportunity for people to take back control of their Congress. All of these destructions uh, are very unpopular with the American people, including left-right support for changing the scene on Capitol Hill. So the first uh, destruction is democracy itself. Congress has put itself up for sale or rent and opposes electoral reform. Uh, It is uh, excluding civic groups uh, from public hearings. It doesn't even print public hearings uh, and reports anymore. Uh, That is very unpopular with the American people and could be reversed. The second is, as a weapon of mass destruction, literally, uh, the destruction of millions of lives in Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, uh, Libya, elsewhere. The empire itself is a weapon of illegal, unconstitutional uh, mass destruction, which uh, is continuing to this day in those uh, invaded uh, countries that didn't threaten us. Uh, Third is uh, the Congress is destroying Medicare and Medicaid, turning more and more over to health insurance companies. They're corporatizing Medicare and Medicaid with deceptive ads, uh, single uh, payer to the the winds. And uh, we're seeing uh, over half of the Medicare beneficiaries have been lured into Medicare Advantage, which we call Medicare Disadvantage, which is just the usual exploitive uh, giant health insurance uh, policies, denying benefits, uh, narrow networks, and all kinds of other abuses. Uh, the Congress has destroyed progressive taxation. It's a grotesque tax full of uh, uh, loopholes, uh, avoidances in return for campaign cash, and uh, something that even Warren Buffett has spoken about uh, strongly. So they've destroyed that and also destroyed uh, the consequence, which is public uh, budgets that can protect people and engage in public services. Uh, Congress has also destroyed uh, corporate crime law enforcement, not just with the more recent disaster letting Boeing and Boeing executives off without criminal prosecution. But just imagine, we have a corporate crime wave in this country. Unbelievable billing fraud, uh, pollution violations, workplace violations, and they haven't had comprehensive hearings. They just had a hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee, just a pro forma hearing that's described uh, in the Capitol Hill Citizen. There are 250,000 Americans a year die from, quote, preventable problems, unquote, in hospitals, according to a peer-reviewed Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine study. And they're just doing nothing and collecting money from all these uh, corporate PACs. And then, of course, on child poverty, uh, 
just uh, they didn't extend the child uh, tax ex- uh, extension, rather, the tax benefit, which had cut uh, up to January uh, 2022 child poverty by 40 percent. And they didn't do that. And by the way, I do make an important distinction, Amy, and Juan. Uh, that's why I use the word collectively, Congress is a weapon of mass destruction, because there are some good people in Congress. But as a body, it is definitely a weapon of mass destruction. Imagine uh, millions of people being taken off Medicaid as we speak, 45 uh, million Americans experiencing food insecurity, another euphemism for hunger, and the Congress is about to send $14 billion, the genocide tax, uh, for more weapons to Israel to slaughter more Gazan families. I mean, we're talking felonious uh, performance here of the first order. And then the last list, there's a long list, but I'll end with this. Congress is destroying the commons. That is a huge property owned by the people, the public lands, onshore, offshore, the public airwaves, a lot of the Internet. All this belongs to the people, but they have turned control over it. Uh, to the corporations, the the media well, corporations, the oil, gas, uh, timber industry, uh, etc. Now, all uh, of these Ralph, are very unpopular with the American people. Uh, Left-right organization of Congress could turn all this around with less than one percent of the people organized uh, as a Congre- Congress watch group in congressional districts. All of this is discussed uh, and more in Capitol Hill Citizen. And a print-only publication that we're putting out, to get your copy, just go to CapitalCitizen.com, and and you can get extra copies for your libraries or your discussion group. And for a donation of $5 or more, you'll be mailed first class, quickly, the new issue, the Capitol Hill Citizen, 40 pages stocked with vibrant, uh, readable print. Juan, and we wh- want I wanna, people. Juan, why would you think that you could get a word in edgewise on Ralph's 90th birthday? <laughs> but we're just going to be crazy. One more sentence. One more key sentence. The whole idea of the Capitol Citizen is not just to inform people with non-official journalism that they don't read about an article after article, like the need to repeal the Insurrection Act that Trump could use to turn the armed forces against the, the people in this country that should be repealed. There's an article on that by Bruce Fine, the Capitol citizen. It's to get well, more Ralph, people Ralph, to I become to ask you anyway, Capitol uh, Hill Ralph, citizens. If I can. Uh, I wanted to ask you anyway, we're in the midst of a presidential election year. These kinds of issues you raised when you ran for president, Bernie Sanders raised them when when he ran. Uh, But we're facing now the Michigan primary coming up and the rest of the election season in Michigan. Some uh, people are pushing for an uncommitted vote to send a message to Biden about Gaza. What do you think about that strategy? And also, as you're looking at this presidential race, What would you urge uh, progressives to do? I urge all people to vote their conscience. I don't believe in tactical voting inside a two-party duopoly that basically allows very little choice on foreign military policy. What difference is there between the Republican and Democrat? On Wall Street, what difference is there? There's better rhetoric. The Democrats are better with the social safety net. No, no, no doubt about that with uh, Medicare and, and other uh, safety net uh, programs. But is that enough? 
So I think, as you say, Juan, uh, people have got to find some way out of this uh, two-party duopoly gulag. They're trapped with these choices. Uh, and one way is to, is to do the uncommitted during the primary in, in Michigan, and I hope it spreads around the country. But also, you know, uh, there, there, there are only a few swing states here, uh, so the majority of the American people in red and blue states can vote for a third party. They can vote for the Green Party, which has a, a marvelous agenda that the Democratic Party should have picked up on long ago. So people should vote their conscience. I, I believe that very strongly. That's what Eugene Debs used to recommend, the great labor leader in the early 20th century. I wanted to go back in time with me and Juan, uh, because we're also celebrating our 20th anniversary of democracy now. Uh, when we took you, Ralph, as a presidential candidate, onto the floor of the Republican convention. This was in Philadelphia. We were broadcasting from the Independent Media Center. May have been the first time in U.S. history a candidate for president held an impromptu but well-attended press briefing on the convention floor of another party. We'd ask Ralph to come to the convention, provide commentary and analysis as the voice of an outsider who's been excluded from the political process in many ways. Let's go back to 2000. Well, I want to observe the thing in action. It's, it's hard to believe when you see it reported. You have to see it to believe it. I mean, this is the most spectacular display of political cash register uh, politics with corporate uh, fat cats in the history of the country. And it's always good to see the state of the art shamelessly paraded on national TV. What's the message to the delegates here? The message is to go home and rethink what they're doing to the country when they sell politics to corporate fat cats in return for political favors. And that's what I say to the Democrats as well. Our democracy is being hijacked by large commercial interests against the interests of everyday people. And we've got to have political reform in this country. I'm very sorry to see John McCain, who had millions of supporters standing for political reform, morph himself into George W. Bush today. Sir, in some states you're drawing to 7 or 8 percent. Um, do you think, would you be the spoiler if, they, if, they, if this race is, too, is close? You can't spoil a political system that's spoiled to the core. We need a new political reform movement in this country. It's not going to come from the Democratic or Republican parties. So that was Ralph Nader in the summer of 2000 in Philadelphia on the floor of the Republican convention. Uh, everyone, the journalists migrated. He basically held a news conference there. We brought him on to present commentary. Um, Ralph, you ran for president four times. Um, your thoughts on what you call the duopoly. And at this point, when people are talking about this election, which could ultimately be between Biden and um, Trump, calling it the most important uh, presidential election, perhaps, in history. What are your comments on that? Well, uh, uh, what you did in 2000, Democracy Now!, has never been done before or since. You basically uh, got me inside the Republican convention uh, to uh, provide some sort of uh, counterpoint and alternative uh, to the mass media that was there. I was as astonished as anybody. Uh, and it didn't take long for me to be escorted out of the uh, the convention center. But you got the job done. 
and what is the job? The job is to give more voices and choices on the electoral ballot to the American people. This is crazy what's going on. The gap between the Democrats and Republicans has narrowed tremendously from the days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the Republican Party, say, in the 1930s. The Democrats have rhetoric on uh, environmental issues, labor issues, but they don't really use their muscle in Congress. And they should have long ago landslided the Republican Party which is the worst ever in history on so many issues that have been uh, reported by you and others. So what do people do? First of all, they have to organize Congress Watch uh, lobbies back home uh, between elections so that elections become more meaningful, so that people start seeing that on the table is corporate crime enforcement, the end of corporate welfare, the establishment of uh, arms control treaties and a Department of Peace that Dennis Kucinich is uh, supporting. He's now running for Congress again uh, from from Ohio. Uh, There's so many areas that were put on an effort in 2022, which we called WinningAmerica.net. You people can go and see it, uh, showing that so many of the major concerns of the American people, it doesn't matter whether they label themselves conservative or liberal when they uh, are trying to feed their families, when they're trying to get through the day where they live, work, and and raise their families. The ideology of divide and rule doesn't uh, quite work with them. But we we tried to do that with uh, winningamerica.net. We put the whole range of progressive policies that have huge majoritarian support. That's the hidden uh, story. There's a lot of left-right support for a living wage, for universal health insurance, for cracking down on corporate crime, for changing the whole ridiculous uh, tax system. Ralph, Juan wants to get one more question in before the end of the show, Juan. Yeah. Uh, Ralph, I wanted to ask you about the the uh, Israel's war on Gaza. You had a recent column headline, what the mass media needs to cover regarding Israel-Gaza conflict. Could you lay out? We only have about a, a couple of minutes if you could lay out your key points. Well, the key points is that, uh, and this is not very uh, often recognized, is there are five federal laws that the U.S. and Israel are violating by uh, unconditional and unconstitutional uh, support of this illegal genocidal war in Gaza. Uh, The Foreign Assistance Act, the Arms Export Control Act, the U.S. War Crimes Act, the Leahy Law, Protecting Human Rights, and the Genocide Convention Implementation Act. And I think we have to bring uh, the focus back home. We're the arch enabler of this massive slaughter in Gaza, which seems to have no end, and is over 100,000 people uh, and children dead so far, and many, many more dying by the hour. There's a huge undercount of the fatality toll. So I've urged people to listen to Democracy Now!'s in-person interviews of these doctors. And I just read, Amy, the article you and Dennis Moynihan wrote about the uh, on-site, in the hospitals, being blown apart. Uh, witnesses by the doctors who can't have come back to the United States and Canada. We've got to get the support for the senators who have already, five senators have called for direct aid bypassing Israel, direct U.S. humanitarian aid 
with international organizations in Gaza right now. Ralph, we're going to have to leave it there. We want to thank you so much. I hate to cut you off on your 90th birthday, but what else is new? Ralph Nader, longtime consumer advocate, corporate critic, former presidential candidate. Happy 90th birthday. Founder of the print-only monthly newspaper Capitol Hill Citizen. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. You're tuned to 90.1 KPFT Houston. You just heard Democracy Now! This is Interim General Manager Sandy Weinman asking you kindly to help us out on our fund drive. We've had four pledges all of today, and there are tons of people online and even more listening on their devices, their radios, whatever it is that you're doing that you're receiving this from. Put that 